Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the fourth episode of the Speech Path Pod. I'm Aiden Osborne, your host. This past week, we hit 250 downloads across all three episodes and are nearing 300 at the time I'm recording this introduction. Thank you to everyone who has listened, shared, and provided feedback. All of the support is greatly appreciated. As mentioned during episode number two, there are a variety of host-related variables which can worsen an individual's ability to tolerate aspiration. One such variable is the patient's oral cavity, including their ability to perform oral care, and the frequency with which it is completed to lessen the pathogenic bacterial load. While there are differences among the variety of medical speech pathology settings, I think we can all agree that the completion of, or difficulty with completion of, oral care transcends those boundaries. So, for this week's episode, I wanted to talk with an oral care expert, dentist, Dr. Brittany Baker. Dr. Baker is a general dentist from Eastern Kentucky, currently working in North Carolina, who is passionate about making oral health a priority for everyone. You may have seen her online, where she is active on both Instagram and TikTok, with the username at CLT period tooth doc, D-O-C, where she shares a variety of useful tips related to dental health and oral care. In her bio, she writes, every person and every mouth is different, and that it's important to recognize that dentists know so much more than just teeth. The mouth is connected to the entire body, and dentists are trained to identify oral manifestations of systemic diseases. And with that said, a quick disclaimer. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed are the speaker's own and do not represent the views, thoughts, and opinions of the institutions they represent. The material and information presented here is for general information purposes only and does not constitute medical advice. And now let's jump into the interview. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Speech Path Pod. Really excited for the episode today and the guests that we have, Dr. Brittany Baker, who is a dentist. So I'm going to have her introduce herself now. Hey, guys. So I'm Brittany, or you can call me Dr. Baker, whatever you prefer. Um, I'm a general dentist in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, I'm originally from Kentucky. I've been a dentist for about three years now, so I'm still pretty early, but kind of getting into it. I'm glad to be here. Great. And and so, Dr. Baker, as we were talking about, you know, while we were just getting started and some of the emails that we had, it it seems kind of funny that speech pathologists would be interested in oral care um, and just the general oral health of our patients. But what the research has shown over the last, say, decade or two is that the oral microbiome, that oral health is really tied to respiratory health as well, especially in our patients that have swallowing disorders and maybe aspirating, um, you know, have this increased volume of aspiration while they're, they're eating and drinking. And so, Really wanted today just to talk about a couple things related to oral health, and maybe we can just start with what are some of those recommendations for just generally adults in terms of taking care of their mouth, taking care of their teeth? Because I know everybody obviously has got a different dentist. We all kind of hear different things, and, and we're recommending to our patients, you know, especially when they have this, this aspiration that they're completing oral care multiple times a day. Is that always indicated? May there be you know, individuals or patients who that that wouldn't be good for? Yeah, so it honestly, there's so many different answers for this. So in general, we tell people, brush your teeth two times per day, once when you wake up and once right before bed for two minutes, and then floss just one time per day, just at any time during the day. And that's kind of like the bare minimum. That's for someone who's healthy, who doesn't have any problems going on in their mouth, you know, normal, healthy microbiome and everything. Um, For someone who has gum disease or for someone who's missing teeth and wears like partial dentures or complete dentures, um, it's going to be a little bit different. There's going to be some extra steps added into that oral hygiene routine. Um, And what would maybe some of those extra 
extra steps look like then? Yeah, so for dentures, you know, just because you don't have teeth, that doesn't mean that you don't have to take care of your mouth anymore. So you still have to brush your dentures twice a day. Um, I typically don't recommend brushing with toothpaste just simply because toothpaste can be a little bit abrasive. So I typically tell my denture patients to just brush their denture with hand soap or dishwashing liquid, um, as well as putting it in a soak um, at nighttime so it doesn't get dehydrated. You know, we don't want them wearing any of their removable prosthetic devices whenever they sleep. So yeah, there's that. Um, depending on the alignment of your teeth, like if you're someone who has like a lot of crowding or something like that, or even partial dentures, you're going to tend to get more of that plaque and calculus buildup in your mouth. So, you know, cleaning up every single time that you have a meal. So like swishing with water, things like that are going to be really important for people with partials or with crowding. What would be a good thing then for, you know, us as, uh, you know, allied health professionals when we see this patient who may have dysphagia or some other problem and we're concerned about the amount of oral hygiene that they're completing or just generally their oral health? What would be some things that, you know, we could look for in the mouth that would jump out at us and say, hey, we should get this person in to see the dentist or, you know, we should try and facilitate through their doctor that they go to the dentist more frequently, like crack or, you know, yeah, like gum issues with the gums. What, what would that be? Definitely. Yeah, so one really interesting thing is you can look at someone and their teeth, you know, you know, on first glance may look really nice, may not look like there's anything going on, but look at the gums. Like one of the first things that I'll look at are the gums. So if the gums are really, really red and really puffy, or if you're someone who each time you brush your teeth, you're seeing blood in the sink whenever you spit, like that's a sure sign that you need to get into your dentist. Um, anytime that you're having any tooth pain, of course, you'd want to come into your dentist. Um, also, a lot of people end up having gum disease and they don't realize that they have gum disease. So looking for things like recession or mobility of the teeth, if you notice that one of them or an area of teeth are a little bit loose whenever you're biting down, that can be an issue as well. So things like that. Great. And, and the one thing that we see a lot, and this is something we were talking about before we uh, we started the recording is that we'll see these patients in long-term care. They come from long-term care into the, the hospital. Uh, and they have what we'll call, you know, this, this hairy tongue. Could we talk about what that is, maybe what we can do to prevent it? And if that's seen, what should we be talking about with the team in terms of, you know, how to get that treated? Yeah, of course. So hairy tongue is something that I see all the time with what I do. You know, basically your tongue is just like the skin anywhere else on your body. Like your skin's going to be turning over those dead skin cells. You're going to be regenerating more and then getting rid of the dead skin cells on top. So similarly to whenever you exfoliate your skin on your face, you can exfoliate the skin on your tongue by brushing your tongue whenever you brush your teeth. You know, getting rid of the dead skin cells that reside on top of the tongue because that's really all it is it's just a buildup of those dead skin cells that are on the tongue and then collecting stain bacteria plaque etc um, another really good thing is a tongue scraper I recommend tongue scraping to everyone um, you can get a stainless steel tongue scraper on Amazon and they're they're really good so just like once a day just doing a quick little swap on the tongue is adequate to keep that amount of keratinized tissue at bay going back then to the um, patient who's a dentalist. You know, we kind of touched on this briefly, but maybe we could go into more detail in terms of talking about um, the dentures and what that takes to take care of the mouth. Because frequently, um, just a little anecdote, we'll have these patients who come in, I'll start talking, 
prior to their squalor study and I'll, I'll say, hey, you know, how, when was the last time that you saw the dentist or how often do you take care of your mouth? And they'll say, well, when did I get these teeth out? Uh, six years ago. And then I'll say, again, when was the last time you cleaned your mouth? And they'll say, yeah, I swish every now and then. The last time I used mouthwash or even like brushed my gums or my tongue was six years ago. I can't, I can't imagine that those are the recommendations. Maybe they are. So may, if you could just talk us through what that looks like. Yeah, for sure. So that's actually not the recommendation at all. <laughs> so I would recommend brushing the gums. So I personally recommend getting an extra soft toothbrush. So that's different than just a regular soft toothbrush. It's a little bit softer and you can just take it and you can put it in your mouth and just kind of run it over your gums, run it over the tongue, all of the soft tissue. Now it's very, very important that you're still visiting your dentist even if you don't have teeth because each time that my patients come in and we're doing a cleaning and I'm doing an exam, I'm not only looking at the hard tissues of the teeth, I'm looking at the soft tissues as well. Looking at all of the gums, looking at all of the tongue, doing oral cancer screening, looking at the throat, looking at the palate, looking at everything because there's way more than just cavities that can happen inside your mouth. I'm going to jump kind of on a, a tangent then just because that's related to another question I had. But for that oral cancer screening, are you just looking for, you know, different lesions in the mouth, things like that. Um, what, what does that kind of assessment look like for you? Yeah, so I do a full oral cancer exam. So that involves looking at all of the soft tissue. So I'll look at the soft tissues on the, um, the cheeks. I'll take the tongue and have the patient stick their tongue out onto a piece of gauze. And then I'll grab a hold of the tongue and I'll kind of pull it to one side so I can examine the side of the tongue and the floor of the mouth because that's really where um, oral cancer shows up the most. Um, so those are the areas that we really, really want to check. Um, things that we would would see usually um, it looks pretty crazy it looks um, it can look it can be big it can be small um, it typically doesn't cause pain um, it can be white red I mean it can look like a, all kinds of different stuff but really anything on the side of the tongue or on the floor of the mouth is a red flag to me because you know typically in the places I've worked I've worked in like you know EN, ENT offices and things like that they'll see um, we'll see some patients there after the dentist has seen something referred them over done some kind of biopsy and it's usually a little bit far along. So when you find something that's concerning to you, do you do like a biopsy? Do you refer them to ENT? What does that typically look like? Just out of my own curiosity. Yeah, of course. So, you know, in your mouth, it's frequent that people will have trauma. So like biting your tongue or something is really common. So, you know, I would say a very large portion of the lesions that I find initially um, actually end up going away. So my protocol is if I see something where I'm just like, hmm, that might be something, but it's in a suspicious area or a high risk area, I will call the patient in two weeks. First, I'll have the patient hold a mirror and I will show them, like, do you see this? and see if they see it, if they can. If it's something where they're, you know, a little bit older or they have, you know, a hard time with dexterity, I'll have them just come back to the office for another visit. But typically I'll call in two weeks and I'll say, hey, is that spot still there? If it is, I have them come back in so I can examine it. I remeasure it, take pictures of it, and then I'll send them to oral surgery for a biopsy. Yeah, because yeah, I'm always curious about that because there are some people who, you know, we'll see in clinic who have never seen the dentist or at least haven't seen the dentist in years and other people who they've been, you know, really tracking it closely. So I think it's something really important that people should think of when, you know, you're going to the, the dentist, just like you said, it's not just about cavities, about all these other things that, that happen in the mouth. And, you know, unfortunately, 
a lot of people where it's gone a little bit too far. So certainly something to, to keep in mind. Definitely. And that's something that I'll tell my child patients too. Like whenever I see pediatric patients, I'm just like, I'm your dentist. Do you know what your dentist does? And then they'll say, look at my teeth. And I'm like, well, I don't actually look at your teeth. And so, you know, we tell them that we look at everything, which I think is a learning moment for both them and their parents most of the time. In preparing for this and thinking about it, it's something that I didn't even think about in those terms, but it makes makes perfect sense. Then maybe what else would you say is important for you know, other allied health professionals to know just about oral health, oral hygiene, dental care, maybe kind of some of your own personal soapboxes related to the, you know, taking care of your teeth, your mouth, your gums, feel, feel free to go whatever direction you want. So, you know, it's pretty shocking to some people to hear this, but your mouth is actually connected to your whole body. So people who have systemic diseases, people who have like diabetes, you know, something like that, like you're going to see things, you're going to see changes in the mouth, especially people who have like head and neck radiation, who are on, you know, any kind of medication is going to kind of dry out your mouth. So that's going to increase your risk of getting cavities. It's going to increase the amount of buildup and calculus that you get. So, you know, a lot of people don't realize this, you know, a lot of my patients who have these systemic problems I've been dealing with for years, you know, I'll tell them, well, did you know that your diabetes actually affects your mouth? And they've never been told that before. You know what I mean? I think a lot of people think they go to the dentist and they get their teeth taken care of, but that's not really connected to anything else when really it's all connected. Yeah, I think that's so important to, to think about as well, because, and I think maybe for people just because of the way our, our healthcare is set up, unfortunately, and that, you know, care, care of our eyes is so it seems to be removed from other parts of health care. Unfortunately, I think that that is people are very quick to just push it aside or oh, if it gets bad enough, they can just take them out or something like that. Exactly. And you know, even things about like putting teeth back in like someone who is like a smoker or something going to have a really hard time getting a dental implant, you know, as opposed to someone who's healthy. So, you know, even things like that come into play, you know, and then if you're somebody who has, you know, like Sjogren's syndrome or something, you know, or taking like these high blood pressure medications, like, et cetera, causing you to have dry mouth, that's going to make it really hard for you to wear a partial denture or a complete denture. Like that's going to make it really tough for you. And it's going to also increase your risk of getting like a fungal infection in there. Interesting. And so what are your general recommendations then when someone has that, you know, hyposalivation or that dry mouth? What are you typically recommending? Because uh, what we usually have seems to, you know, we'll talk about biotin or things like that. But I, I'm curious what other products might be out there. Yeah, I mean, there's really not a good solution, is there? There's really not. I tell my patients, I'm just like, the biotin, obviously try it. Um, carry around a water bottle. Get yourself a nice, fancy water bottle. Spend like $40. You know what I mean? Get a really nice one that you'll carry around with you and just sip on it all day. Just try to keep your mouth as you know moist as possible. Um, also using things like sensitive toothpaste, anti-cavity toothpaste. Um, my patients who have a hard time with hyposalivation, I put them on a special toothpaste that will remineralize tooth structure, um, you know, and help strengthen their teeth and prevent them from getting cavities and things like that. So, um, you know, fluoride mouth rinse, things like that, really just kind of going at it at all angles. Jumping back to the dentures, because I keep, questions keep popping back up for me. So often, patients will have dentures and they'll say, hey, they, they fit a year ago when I got them and now I have to use the, I had a guy call them denture cement and I hate that how it feels. What is that process for dentures no longer 
fitting? Is there, you know, changes happening to the structures of the gums? I've heard various things about what actually the mechanism for that difficulty with them fitting is. So be curious, you know, what you tell patients about that. Yeah, definitely. So whenever we have teeth, your teeth are held into your bone by your periodontal ligament. Um, you know, whenever your teeth are being used, the bone around those teeth is going to remain stable. Whenever we lose a tooth, the bone in that area starts to kind of go away. It starts to shrink. Um, and anytime that we remove any teeth, like that's what we're going to see over time. So for someone who has dentures, you know, those alveolar ridges are just going to keep on getting smaller and smaller over time. Um, unfortunately, it's it's something that happens. Um, the better fitting the denture is, the less bone loss that we'll see. Um, but even with a really well-fitting one over time, it's not going to fit anymore. You're going to have to get a new one after probably around five years or so. And I think that's typically the, the time point that we hear from patients. And unfortunately, they're just pretty cost prohibitive sometimes. So they're not enthused about the idea of spending, you know, thousands of dollars again to get, get another set. Because I've been told too that, oh, the the dentures don't fit because they're, they're losing weight. Um, and that didn't necessarily make a lot of sense to me. But what you're talking about, that seems to be it. Yeah, it's all about the bone. It's all about the bone shrinking, recontouring, things like that, for sure, for sure. And you know what is unfortunate is the patients who have the dentures or have the partials, you know, they're the ones who are more likely going to be having these systemic problems, which cause them to see the effects in their mouth and see the effects on their teeth and they're also the ones who are going to have the dry mouth which makes it harder to wear these things you know having diabetes or being a smoker or something you know not being able to get the dental implants so a lot of the time it kind of seems like there's not a good option for these patients and and it's unfortunate for me too I hate to see it as well well maybe we can just jump then into talking a little bit about um, patients who have head and neck cancer and what that can look like in terms of teeth being removed and then that long-term care, especially when we think about someone who maybe had um, radiation to some of the soft tissues of the mouth or the jaw or something like that. What, you know, we always talk about trying to watch for those signs of, you know, osteoradionecrosis, things like that. So how does it change maybe the immediate care and then also their long-term follow-up with you? Yeah, so I've had several patients who end up needing um, head and neck radiation therapy before. Um, the main thing that we want to do is get most of the dental work completed before this process starts. So any extractions, any like big procedures that they need to be that need to be done, we need to go ahead and get that stuff done before the radiation starts because it's going to be way harder um, once that happens because as you know they just don't heal as well and you can get the necrosis of the jaw and things like that and there's really not even an official protocol to deal with that it's just kind of watching for it as it comes and then yeah it's it's preventing it's hopefully preventing it from happening um you know by sequencing the things that we need to be doing um you know doing the dental work first any extractions things like that um and then going forward with the radiation while also doing prevention to keep these people really healthy. So, you know, um, for some of my patients, instead of coming in every six months for a cleaning, I have them come in every three months for a cleaning and things like that. Thinking about different kind of subset of patient patients that you might see, what about those very, you know, the elderly patients over the age of say 80 who, you know, I'll say they have scattered dentition or they have a tooth or five teeth or something like that. What kinds of recommendations do you have for them and just generally thinking about 
maybe oral care for some of these individuals who might be resistive to having a toothbrush or something put in their mouth because they have dementia. You know, what what could we do to best facilitate that that oral care being completed or what should we try to focus on? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, thinking about the patient who is elderly, who is kind of starting to lose their dexterity a little bit in their hands, I recommend an electric toothbrush um, to start. Um, I recommend the Oral-B toothbrush or the Philips Sonicare. I think those are both great options. Um, but what that's going to do is it's just going to clean the plaque off of the teeth a little bit more effectively than a manual. Now, some people are just like, is an electric toothbrush better than a manual? No, it's not. But for the patients who cannot move a manual toothbrush around like a young person, then an electric toothbrush is going to be more effective for them. Um, there's also these new toothbrushes that I've seen online. They're, it's kind of like, it looks like a, like a U shape almost. And you put them in there. I think that is really great for whenever there's not really any other options. I wouldn't start with something like that because it's not going to clean you as well as we like to see you be clean. Um, but for a patient who's like in the nursing home and things like that, I would recommend something like that. One thing that we'll always say too, and maybe that's why I want to ask you to see if this is true. Um, you know, people will say, I don't brush my teeth, but I use mouthwash twice a day or three times a day. And they'll say, isn't that good enough? What would your response good enough whatsoever oh my gosh so whenever we are brushing our teeth and whenever we're taking care of our teeth at home the point isn't to get minty fresh breath okay because your teeth can be really nasty and your breath can still be fresh for a short period of time but what we're really wanting to focus on is the mechanical removal of plaque um you know so plaque is the soft kind of fuzzy looking stuff that appears on your teeth after you eat something um we'll see it on our teeth at the end of the day um, we want to brush all of that stuff off now the calculus is the really really hard stuff on our teeth so that's what plaque turns into plaque that is left on the teeth for an extended period of time calcifies and it becomes really hard and then that's what we clean off whenever you go to the dentist. Um, but a mouthwash is not going to remove plaque at all. So that's, that's, it's not going to reduce the amount of plaque. Um, what mouthwash is going to do, it's going to really work on the bacteria. And so, you know, it really just depends on the patient, what kind of mouthwash I recommend. If I recommend a mouthwash, not everybody needs a mouthwash. So that's, you know, another reason why you need to visit your dentist. Well, is there anything else that you would want to share related to oral care, you know, the importance of visiting our dentist that we didn't talk about? Yeah, I mean, I, I really think uh, my biggest passion is just about being consistent. And that's really what it is. Like I'll have patients come to me and they'll be like, well, I haven't been to the dentist in like five years. I'm so embarrassed. Like this is probably so gross. And I'm just like, no, do not let that hold you back from growing in. You know, nobody is perfect. People fall off the train all the time. Um, just trying your best. And you know, even if you skipped brushing your teeth last night, that doesn't mean that you have to skip tonight. You know what I mean? Just trying your best. Absolutely. If we don't have anything else, uh, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be on the podcast. We really appreciate all the information. Awesome. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you again to Dr. Brittany Baker for her time for this interview. And thank you to all the listeners of the podcast. As always, if you found this information useful or helpful, please like and share. And leaving a review on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts is very helpful. Until next time.